Welcome to The Wave. This is your host, Carson Conkle, and you are listening to Arlington Airwaves. This is a new podcast about the people, businesses, and events taking place in Arlington, Virginia. On today's episode, I'm joined by the founder and CEO of Flair, Andres Delgado. Flair is a transportation company that builds safe, sustainable, and accessible transportation systems. They currently operate fixed-route electric vehicles connecting neighborhoods in the Arlington and Washington, D.C. metropolitan area. During our conversation, Andres and I discuss his previous business ventures that prepared him to launch Flair, how the company has pivoted to serve residents in the Arlington community during the COVID-19 pandemic, the broader transportation landscape and how Flair provides a unique service, and what the future of transportation will look like once we return back to normal. I really enjoyed this conversation and I'm excited to share it with you. Hey, Andres, how are you? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Really appreciate you hopping on. Absolutely. It's my pleasure. Happy to be on this phone call with you and, and share my story. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what have you been up to today? Today? Well, honestly, like with most businesses, um, you know, you're working around the clock. Um, you know, one, continue to figure out you know, how to square away your finances. And then two, um, being creative and getting uh, innovative um, to help uh, help your help the company get through this tough time. So, um, yeah, and uh, it's yeah, it's just, it's kind of. I mean, most people are locked inside the house. You know, I get some time to walk out, go for a quick uh, walk to get some fresh air. But you know, I'm just here in my home and um, just you know, get, kind of just you know, yeah, really got to focus on the business, even though it's a weekend. Yeah, I'm sure being like an entrepreneur, it's weekends aren't a thing. You're just working constantly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like this is uh, this is your passion. This is your life, and and um, at, you know, you know, people are expecting you. Like, you know, I, I remember uh, speaking with a family member about a month ago, and they said, "Hey, I don't think you're going to survive." And I was just like so upset. I was like, I was like. Well, it's like you clearly don't know who I am, then. If you don't think my business is not going to survive, just be. Look, you know, we got our hands tied. Um, but again, like I said, it's like this is an opportunity. Um, so you gotta, gotta innovate. Um, but you know, I'm I'm confident we're going to get through this. It's just it's going to be a challenging time for the company, but um, it's going to delay, delay our plans. Um, but we will get through it. Yeah, you got to have that attitude. Exactly. Well, cool. Let's uh, let's just hop right into it then. I'm curious uh, what your background is, and then really how how Flair came to be about. Cool story for Flair. So I'll try, I'll try to keep it try to keep it shorter than than long. Um, my background. Okay, so um, my parents are from Ecuador. Uh, they immigrated. Uh, in 1979 to come to Baltimore, Maryland. Uh, my dad's a doctor, so he went to Johns Hopkins University for his medical training. And, and so my family landed in Baltimore. I was born in Baltimore, grew up there, um, and I moved to D.C. for my graduate studies um, in international relations and economics. Um, 
And I was fortunate enough to get a job right after, right after uh, I graduated with my master's. Um, and that was like in 2009. So right after the, the Great Recession. Um, so I got a job in international relations. Um, but I did not enjoy the career path. Um, and I, I did it because I, you know, I was always fascinated by different cultures, opportunity to travel. Um, I, I, I had to focus on international trade. Um, and so that's where kind of the seed for business development came from. Um, and so but I realized, like, look, instead of trying to help other companies grow, helping companies find uh, new markets overseas, I wanted to do my own thing. I wanted to help myself start my own company. And so I first started off in real estate. I've, I've done real estate sales. I still have my licenses active. Because uh, I believe in real estate is the, one of the best ways to accumulate personal wealth. Mm -hmm. um, and so I, I wanted to learn about real estate. And the best way to do it is, you know, you know get into the industry. And so I did real estate sales for 10 years, um, bought a couple of properties, made some good money. Um, and um, so that was kind of my first, my, my entry into to like entrepreneurship. Um, right. But my first real, real business happened in 2014. Uh, I was kind of sitting at my desk. And at the time, I was, you know, really big into video games. As a young guy, you know, I was like, I, I love playing video games. And I still do, even though I, I rarely have time for it. And so um, I have this condo in Roslyn, and I'm living, the, it's, it's, not, it's about like 500 square feet. And so I've got my, my big screen TV. Um, I got my Apple TV, my PlayStation, my Xbox. And I was like, I was like, I wonder if I can, is there a way I can make this living room look more appealing so I don't have all these little gadgets and boxes and wires hanging around. Um, and so I thought, I, was like, is there, I wonder if I can mount some of these apparatuses to the wall, just clean up the space. Because I, I mean, my taste is, is like, I like um, things to be simple, aesthetics mm -hmm. to be very clean and simple. And so I was looking for a way to mount my my playstation xbox and so i was like oh well let me go online and see if something i can buy and so nothing existed i was like huh i wonder if i could create some kind of apparatus and so that previous weekend i had i had gone to a uh, baby shower and i met a guy who, who makes furniture out of wood um and so i was like for some reason it's just like this burn went off in my head something i've never felt ever in my life and so i know that that was a sign it's, it's, it was unreal. And so I was like, boom. I was like, let me just make something. And so I quickly emailed this guy. I was like, hey, I got this idea for a product that will allow you to mount the PlayStation 4 on the wall. Um, can you help me design it? He's like, yeah. So in a couple of weeks, he came back with this uh, prototype for this the PlayStation 4 wall mount. And so I took that prototype and the blueprints, and I went to a manufacturer, a steel manufacturer up in Baltimore. And they were able to make the final product out of metal. Um, and so then I took those pro the products, the uh, steel wall mounts, and I threw, threw them up on Amazon. And they started selling. And I was like, whoa, this is really cool. Someone wants to buy something that I invented in my head. Yeah. And so I, I started this company called Forza Designs. And we were, our, our, what we did is we made wall mounts for video game systems and 
other electronic devices like the Apple TV. Um, and so we did that for three years and, and, you know, I learned so much about the industry. It was like, you know, we, the goal is that, you know, you can make some money selling on Amazon and online platforms, but the real money still exists if you can get into Walmart, Target, Best Buy, et cetera. And without those outlets, you can't really become really successful um, making things and selling them. And so we were, okay. we were really just trying to get into the big retailers. But the big retailers tell you, like, look, one, we only want to work with established companies, not startups. You need to have a catalog of products. And so we were trying to address all these issues. Um, and so we were kind of like, okay, well, if they're saying that they only, they only want to bring us on if we've got like 12 products, let's make more products. And so we started, you know, pumping out as many products as we could. Um, but then it was just so many obstacles involved. And so we were, you know, after three years, I was like, we we're, I think we were about to fold. Um, and then we were able to connect with Microsoft. And Microsoft liked the product that we made for their Xbox. And they said, okay, we're going to bring you, bring you into the, the Microsoft family. And what that meant was, they make us one of their exclusive hardware partners. And there's only about like seven of them in the whole world. And that means that we can make accessories for their Xbox line. Wow. Exactly. Wow. And so when we, so that was a game changer for the company because then we could put the Microsoft and Xbox logos on our packaging. And then we could go back to like Best Buy, Target, and Walmart and say, look, our products are endorsed by Microsoft. And so that, that like carried a lot of weight. So after year three, there was new life in the company. Um, and then the, but then there's like whole new challenges because then, you know, the big retailers were like, okay, well, we'll bring you in, but we need you to mass produce your products at a scale that we were not able to in the United States. We were making all our products in the United States. Um, but after a, at a certain point, to, you have to produce overseas uh, to be cost effective. And so then we're like, oh, now we got to go, go to China and see how we're going to make this made. And, and so that was like, you know, like, you know, another concern we had as a small startup and something I, I didn't have experience with. Um, so anyways, long story short, come around year four or five, um, this company in Texas that we had been talking to for the last two years of, the, of our of the lifespan of the company, um, they said, look, uh, no, we're, we, we would be interested in buying you guys out. Um, and so in 20, April of 2019, I sold uh, my company to this company in Dallas who, was, uh, who had specialized in server wall mounts. They got their start uh, back in 1998, 1999, um, here's a cool fact I learned when I was uh, signing the paperwork for the transfer of the company. Um, their first client was Mark Cuban. Oh, yeah. really? Because of Mark Cuban, this company was able to take off. And 20 years later, they bought me out. Um, and so they, were, they had specialized in server wall mounts, wall mounts for computers, um, and then they kind of started getting into robotics, little toys for kids. And so they saw an opportunity to buy us out for the relationship with Microsoft, which was a really smart business decision. Um, and so they bought us, 
I realized, look, there was just, there was only, I couldn't take the company any further. Um, yeah. um, but, you know, look, I, I was so proud of what we had accomplished. I took, you know, here's this guy from D.C. who came up with an idea, was able to get his idea um, built, start selling it, get Microsoft's attention, team up with Microsoft, get our products into the Microsoft stores, and then sell the company to a bigger company. And, um, and, and I took that money that I, from the sale of uh, Forza Designs to start Flare. Okay, so, that was so kind of, back in yep. April, you, you sell Forza. Was Forza based in Arlington? Yes. Yep, we were based out of Arlington. Yep. Okay. And so that was back in April. Wow, really, really short term. So, yeah, so that's then... exactly. So, in, so this is about, I would say, December of 2018 is when the, the, the idea of Flare, my new company, came to me. And so, and for those who don't know, can you give a brief description of what Flare yeah, is? Yeah, so Flare is an electric shuttle company. Um, and the concept of it is that we move people in a neighborhood to popular destinations, whether it's the grocery store, shopping center, um, metro station. Specifically, you know, we're focused in areas that don't have lots of transportation options. So, for example, if you're in Arlington, um, Columbia Pike. It's affordable to live yep. there. Lots of great places, lots of great buildings to live at, but there's no metro station. How can we make that okay. neighborhood more desirable? Well, what if we introduce a new kind of transportation that would take people to the Pentagon City Mall or metro station or in the opposite direction to the Boston Shopping Center or the Boston Metro? So we're able, we're trying to connect these, these neighborhoods to other neighborhoods. And by doing so, we keep these neighborhoods affordable. Right. And not, yeah, that's a, great. I think that's, yeah, it's definitely a, a need in the area for yeah. sure. Um, of course, look, it's, you know, it's, while maybe a great idea, you know, it, it, there's lots of challenges and obstacles getting it off the ground. Um, and it's not as easy as, Hey, why don't you go buy a couple of vehicles, um, get a couple of drivers and throw them on the road. Uh-huh. Yeah. So let's talk about that experience of, of coming up with the idea and launching mm-hmm. Flare and getting it off sure. the ground. Um, so the an original genesis was I had, I had seen these self-driving vehicles at uh, Consumer Electronics Show. And I think it was either 2017 or 2018. And the Consumer Electronics Show, CES, is a popular trade show that happens in Las Vegas every January where they show off all the latest technology and electronic gadgets. And so I had been there for Forza Designs. Um, and so I see these, these really cool-looking self-driving vehicles, and I was like, and I, was, I was thinking to myself, I would love to get into transportation um, as my next venture if everything goes well in Forza Designs. And, and fortunately enough, it, it, you know, as I had shared earlier on, we were able to sell Forza Designs. And I said, okay, I want to go back to this idea of doing something in, tra- in the transportation space. Um, and so I said, what I realized when I revisited the transportation sector is self-driving vehicles is, you know, this, there's so much hype behind it, but it's, you know, years away. Um, so much involved yeah. to actually making self-driving vehicles 
safe and reliable. Um, and so I said, okay, well, maybe we can play a, a part in, in this future. And I thought, I, so I thought about, so, so connecting all the dots, like, okay, I'd, I'd done some real estate and being in Arlington, I lived in Roslyn. I said, no, Georgetown is so close to Roslyn, but you got to cross the key bridge and it takes you like 15 minutes and it's kind of annoying. I was wondering if there's a possibility we could introduce like a self-driving vehicle that would take you from, from Roslyn to Georgetown, A to B and B to A, back and forth. Because that would be a great way. One, it would, it would provide a need to address this awkward distance. And two, that would be a great way to kind of train the artificial intelligence of self-driving vehicles. If you're going to get people to, to adopt a new technology, you got to start really small. And right. so that was the actual genesis. And so, you know, my, I reached out to a really good friend and I said, hey, you, this is a concept. What do you think? And so he teamed up. We said, yeah, great idea. Let's work together. Um, and we quickly realized, like, look, that was going to be feasible. But, but we, we latched on to the concept of, of providing service um, to moving people between awkward distances. And that was the genesis for Flair, moving people around small distances um, using a new kind of transportation, a new vehicle, which is these electric shuttles that are 100% electric. Okay. And when did uh... – when was like the first route completed? Um, so we we started. What we did is um, when we got the vehicles, we took them to Arlington, and we just kind of started test testing them. We wanted to make sure how reliable they were. Would people use them? Um, there was a lot of testing to be done, and so we did that back in September mm-hmm. of 2019. We started in Charlington moving people to like uh, small events off Columbia Pike, um, farmer's markets, things like that. And so we're gathering all this data. And then we moved into early 2020 and we started uh, giving people rides in off Columbia Pike. Um, and then boom, coronavirus hits and we had to stop. Um, and so our service has, has been uh, suspended for the time being. Um, and so we're obviously kind of pivoting and trying to be creative um, and putting our vehicles to use for, for good to help out the community. I'm happy to talk about that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, uh, that's interesting. I know every business, like big and small, has had to pivot due to coronavirus, mm-hmm. COVID. So I'm curious for you personally, as well as sure. the company, um, what was like the timeline? When did you first hear about the virus and, and how did it kind of transpire to where we are now? Yeah. So I think this was um, probably the second week of, of March and things were still open in around the second week of March. And I remember like, you know, we're talking about, I was like, look, we got to take precautions. And so we started talking about, you know, how we were cleaning our cars. And, and so we're trying to, push that talking point for the business it's like unlike uber and lyft you don't know who's driving it who's who, are they cleaning the vehicles and um and we look yeah. it's hard for an uber or a lyft because everyone's driving their own unique car to clean their car consistently with our vehicles it's it's a it's a unique design of those vehicles that makes it easy for us to clean the cars and so we were trying to push that 
And we did that for about a week. And then immediately, you know, right after those seven days, I think the DC government said, look, we're just shutting things down. And so for the next two weeks, we're just kind of like, okay, what's our game plan for just getting us through this? And so we were kind of focused on the finances of the business. And then I thought, look, we've got these vehicles. They're sitting in the garage. We have employees that we're paying for. You know, how do we put these, these assets to good use? Because um, it's just a waste just, yeah. you know, having people sitting around doing nothing and our vehicles just sitting in the garage. And so, and so it was like, you know, it's challenging. It's like, well, we can't move people. That's what our vehicles are used for. Um, and then I was just told, like, I, I was reading an article that there was a need for food donations. I was like, well, why don't we can move items? And I was like, but, you know, so that's why I came up with the idea of, like, doing a food drive. Um, and which ultimately, uh, you know, we want the community to see the value of our, our service and our vehicles. And so we started in Crystal City. Um, and we put 10 boxes out front of, of 10 apartment buildings. And we were using our electric vehicles to, to drive around twice a week to pick up the food donations. And so that's how yeah. we're able to um, get brand awareness for Flair. Um, you know, being creative, you know, showing people that we want to be part of the community. We, our vehicles have value. And, and if we're able to do this with food donations, imagine what we can do um, for providing service within uh, neighborhoods when this gets all resolved. Um, so that's how we've been kind of pivoting, you know, giving back to the community because we do feel it's important. Um, you know, most of the people who are being impacted are, are immigrants. And, you know, as my family who, who made uh, uh, the trip from Ecuador to the United States, I, I know how challenging it was for them to get started here in this country. And so I, I sympathize for, you know, immigrant families who can't claim unemployment benefits and, and are, are struggling the most when they can't even feed their kids. And, um, and so if I can help collect food and take it to the local pantry, that means a lot to me. Um, so on that, you know, on that, that, you know, that's one the primary reason why I'm doing this, but, you know, it also, again, gives brand awareness to our, our, our company, to the vehicles and, and the value of what our service can do in the long run when we get back to opening up the economy. Yeah. I really like that concept that you have these, these vehicles sitting there and you just see a need that's unfulfilled. You see that your company can yeah, fulfill it. a sustainable it, way. Just, yeah, you just exactly. launch like, it. Look, these little vehicles can, can move around the community picking up um, food donations. And we're doing this using our vehicle that's 100% electric. It's very cool. Yeah. And are there any like key learnings that have come about this new service that you would have never expected? Um, I think that we're learning more about uh, the limitations of the vehicle, which honestly, I'm, we're more surprised to see that, you know, the, uh, these vehicles work really well. Um, we were concerned about the very beginning, like, you know, battery life, how many trips and things like that. And, and we're realizing these vehicles are great. And, uh, and so we, you know, we're, we really, you know, again, we want to get back to the original mission of being able to move people around town in a sustainable, yeah. affordable way. And then the third point is, um, so what we, we see ourselves as kind of the missing parts of this new 
transportation revolution that's taking place. And what do I mean by that? So if you look in D.C. and Arlington, you got electric scooters, you got people riding bicycles, you got electric mopeds in D.C. Um, but not mm-hmm. everyone can ride these new modes of transportation. If you're elderly or if you have a disability, you can't ride an electric scooter or a bike. So they're missing out. But these are all people that want to give up their car because it's expensive or it's just not – it just doesn't make sense if you live in D.C. to have a car. Um, it's not good for the environment. It's not good for uh, traffic congestion. Um, and more, yeah, more and more I see people want to get rid of their car. People are just not interested. Yeah, no, awesome. I'm in that camp yeah, for I mean, sure. It's like, unbelievable. I didn't realize it you know, until I did the math is how expensive it is to own a car. Um, and so people are looking for new ways to, to get around town in an affordable, sustainable way. But again, as I mentioned, if you're elderly or you have some kind of disability, you can't ride that electric scooter or bike. And so that's where our shuttles come in. We join that, uh, that transportation revolution um, that's sustainable and affordable. And we fill that gap where if you have a disability or you're elderly senior citizen, um, you're not being discluded. Yeah, I think that's a great point that I wanted to touch on is this new transportation revolution with the scooters and the mopeds, like you mentioned, but I really do think Flair has a, a specific spot in that revolution and is addressing the need yeah. that you mentioned, yeah. which is good. Exactly. Exactly. It's about making communities, neighborhoods more vibrant, more enjoyable. Um, and you no, know, it's how do we how do we make the world more environmentally friendly? That's exciting to me. That yeah. that's what gets me excited, and that's why you know I. I'm so committed to this, to the business and into our, our mission, because I know that we can do that. And that would be really cool if you can, whatever neighborhood in Arlington or D.C. that you live in, it's like, wow, there's so many less cars on the road. There's so much less traffic. And on any given day, you have all these different options of moving around. Right. I think that's that's so cool. And it's the transportation revolution. It's uh one of the next big things. Yeah. In my so no, we're, we're hoping that we're, you know, we're, uh, we're able to push that vision forward. Um, and we're excited to be one of the first movers in the space. Awesome. And so as far as the actual like operations, who have you partnered with? to get these vehicles developed? How did you mm-hmm. come up with the design? Tell so we did not design that. the vehicle. We made some mod- not oh, say we, we customize the vehicles. We choose options for them based on what we think where our needs are. Um, and so if anyone says, you know, t- you know, tell me a little about them. Look, we've got heating, we got AC. Um, they're super safe. We got seat belts. We've got uh, iPads installed inside the vehicles, which are great for advertising. And, you know, let me touch on that real quickly. Um, we feel that we can add value at the, you know, once the economy reopens and things stabilize, which we, unfortunately, I think it's going to be a lot long, longer than, than short. But when things do stabilize, you know, I think yeah. the restaurants, for example, are going to need assistance with marketing and getting more foot traffic into their stores again. So how, how can we help that, um, make that happen? And we feel that with our iPads that we can market, you know, restaurants get their menus inside our vehicles on the i on the pet on the tablets and that's going to be a great way mm-hmm. of connecting um the riders to local businesses and restaurants 
Um, and so we hope to be able to play a small part in the revitalization of these uh, of the economy um, down the road. But going back to the vehicles, um, so they're they're made by a company here in the United States. Um, so we're proud of that that they're 100 uh, percent American made. Um, they've been tested, very safe. Um, the vehicles don't go past 30 miles per hour, which is actually a good thing um, because uh, of cargo slow. Um, the less likely, if there's an, if they get an accident, less likely there'll be a casualty. Um, so, 25 miles. The average speed of these vehicles yeah. we go about 25 miles per hour, which is just the perfect speed, not too slow and not too fast. Um, we don't. They don't go on highways. They just go go on uh, main streets. Um, so, we we came across the design of this vehicle. It's manufactured in the U.S. Um, and I, I, there, we were looking at another vehicle that was, uh, electric, another shuttle was electric, but, uh, you know, I believe in the, in the importance of aesthetics and design. Um, and when you see the vehicles, it kind of brings a smile mm -hmm. to your face. And, and so that's important, um, uh, for the, the consumer, the rider. And so, you know, we want people to want to get inside these vehicles. If you think of a bus, it's big, bulky. Um, it makes you think of, when you think of a bus, you think of slow and un unattractive and it does not, not inviting. And, and so when you see right. our vehicles, you want to get inside these vehicles. They look fun. They look cool. It's an experience. And so that's another talking point is like, you know, there's an experience to ride these vehicles. It's a lesser talking point, but you can't underestimate the importance of, of people wanting to get in your vehicle. People don't want to get in a bus because it's like. One, the service model of it is like, oh, there's like 20 different bus stops. And so wherever you're trying to get to may take you a long time. With us, our business models, we only have a certain limited amount of stops. So it's a lot more quicker. But again, it's in this experience getting inside our vehicle. They look fun. They look cool. They're sustainable. They're 100% electric. Um, and so you. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've got a picture up right now. Yeah. I do like the design. It looks like you really focused on the details. And it's like you said, they're. They're fun yep. and like exciting, and if you Let's were to see on. one, you'd say, "Oh, like, exactly." I want to. I want in. Going or... And so when I, when we first put them on the road, right. you know, I, I was a, I went, I drove one, and and uh, people look at me and like, "What is that?" And people were like staring staring at you like you were a celebrity. It's like, ah, oh, so this is what it feels like to be a celebrity. <laughs> <laughs> so do you uh, have one that you? No, drive I don't. Or? I don't drive. I mean, I can if I want to, um, but we have drivers. Um, but I have yeah. driven them, of course. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so you touched on the future. How you think it's going to be a long restart to the economy and getting back to normal, which I agree on. Um, but what is your, your hunch or your thoughts on the next few months and, and how we really get back to normal? So I think it's going to be gradual. Um, I think that even so there's this there's this fight between some businesses wanting to open up and I completely understand their their desire to be able to produce revenue. But I think that more and more people are are going to say, look, I just don't think it's it's smart to go out and uh, patronize uh, these uh, these uh, storefronts. They're just going to be reluctant to. Um, and then the next stage is, OK, fine, yeah. we can open up. But there's going to be restrictions on restaurants, for example. This is an easy example. Um, okay. 
multiple restaurants mm. are going to be like, they're going to have to space out the other tables. So instead of having, you know, 80% ca- filled capacity, they're going to be down to 40%. Um, and, and so then, you know, how does that translate to my service? It's like, well, they're going to say, well, there's not as much, there's not as much economic activity going out. There's not as many people going out. How much need is there for this uh, transportation service? Everyone's going to be affected. It's not just me, but like, it's the same thing. Like even the local, the Uber drivers, the Lyft drivers, how many people are going to be going out and how many people are going to need to, to go from one part of town to another? They're not. Um, and so I think yeah. there's going to be a reduced uh, level of economic activity. And that will be, that will be one stage. And then we'll get to the, to the fall and winter. And I don't see things becoming normal until 2021. Yeah. I agree. It'll be a, a slow, slow exactly. steady pace, but yeah, we eventually will get there. Uh, another question about the future that you touched on is uh, the uh, what is John Blank here? The autonomous vehicles and like driverless vehicles. How do you think Flair uh, plays uh, a role in that development, and when do you think that will actually? become a reality all right let's start with uh the second part of that question i'll try to make that simple i don't see that happening for closer to the the 10 years um okay so there's just so many tiny little pieces that are still missing for having self-driving vehicles um if everyone had a smart vehicle right now that, that would be a different conversation. But the problem is you've got smart vehicles with old vehicles still on the road. Um, how do you have a Tesla right. interact with someone who's driving in a 1998 uh, Toyota? It can't. Um, right. And so, and then, you know, the other part is if you have a self-driving vehicle and someone in that dumb, what's called a not smart vehicle, a human driver in, in, in the models that, you know, people do, they'll show that there's almost zero, zero accidents. If all the vehicles are self-driving are all artificial intelligence, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. But then if you just have a couple of regular humans in that scenario, that changes the whole model and op- there's going to be an opportunity for accidents. Exactly. Until there's mass adoption, which you think is in the 10, 10 year time frame, you don't think it becoming it becomes a, right. a exactly. daily reality until then. And there's also there's this. I mean, I could go on on and on and give you different examples of you know ethics and um, how does a how does a self driving vehicle make the decision between if it's about to get in a car accident, does it veer off into the road to the side of the road and hit a pedestrian versus veering to the other side and hitting another car. If, you know, a, a human driver yeah. is able to make that decision, okay, well, I'm more likely to cause less damage if I veer to the left and rear into the car next to me versus hitting the pedestrian. Um, you know, can right. artificial intelligence make that, that, that split-second decision? 
Or like, yeah, or if it's simple, it's like, who do I end up having to hurt or kill? Do I kill the pedestrian on the right side or do I kill the, the car on the left side? Or, you know, hit the car on the left side and end up killing that person. Yeah. Yeah. So Difficult there's just so much more definitely. that needs to get, needs to be done. Um, and, you know, it's just kind of like, you think of it as like art, artificial intelligence. Like, it's like a baby. Um, it, it needs to go from crawling to walking to running. You got to train that brain. And there's just a lot more involved. It needs to continue to get smarter, more advanced, and that takes time. Yeah. Well, great. And so wrapping up here, I like to ask a few questions about Arlington since this podcast is about uh, the area. So the first one I have for you is what is your favorite restaurant? Uh, does that include uh, D.C.? Or Arlington? Arlington specific. Uh, Let me Arlington see. specific. Mm. I like medium rare. Yeah, for a, for, for a finer restaurant, I like medium nice. rare. Nice. For a casual eats, for okay. ca- casual yeah, eats, I'll go with a full other people. It's okay. What about your favorite gym or like wellness facility, whether it be yoga, uh, studio, oh, something like that? Um, let's see. Honestly, I'm into playing sports, league sports. So I, you know, I'll play soccer in the evenings versus going to a gym. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And you're in like a league or something. Very cool. And then if you could change anything about the area or like bring something new to the area, what about, would it be? Um, let's see. I mean, there's so much development happening in the area. Um, I, you know, Arlington's awesome, awesome place to live. Yeah, I agree. I, I've been here for 10 months now and just love it and think that there's so much more. Uh, yeah, on exactly. The cost I, no, really I can't, I can't complain about Arlington. I, yeah, the county's amazing. Um, the local officials are, who are making all this happen are, are, are a great group of individuals, very proactive and progressive. Um, so I, honestly, I don't have any complaints. Yeah. Do you have any? any yeah, love, love, for me love about to hear the podcast about, or in uh, general how uh, Arlington Airways got started. Yeah. So, my buddy asked me to be on a podcast. I don't know, like two weeks ago, and I agreed to do it. And after mm-hmm. recording, just loved it. Um, and I grew up. My dad has a like high school sports mm-hmm. broadcasting company back in Michigan. So I've always been around the like radio space and really wanted to get active in the community. And so I just thought, well, why don't I put together an Arlington specific podcast, focus on my interests, which would be the businesses, fun things happening, like restaurants, wellness, all that. And so Two weeks ago, I, uh, I started with interviewing my roommate. I've interviewed a few friends, and now I think you're the, the third business that I've had the chance to speak with, and 
really just yeah. like the ability to yeah. to connect, learn more about what's in the area, what what's up and coming, and I can imagine yeah, the same way. Really rewarding I love experience I love, so far. Um, I I thought about doing that in the past where I wanted to connect with other entrepreneurs. I love meeting people that are passionate, and creative, and trying to do something unique. Um, and uh, you know, I love hearing their story. Um, so I can totally, totally get what you're trying to do. And I think it's a great idea. Um, yeah, it's a cool area. Definitely a lot, lot growing, a lot going on and uh, young right. crowd um, too, which is Before which coming is to Virginia, where were you living? Uh, I was down in Nashville. And so I'm part of a uh-huh. like finance rotation program. And I did a year in Chicago uh, last year in Nashville and now a year here in Virginia. So I've gotten to experience a lot of different things and uh, really, really like Arlington Yeah. Uh, after comparing um, them to the others. Yeah, it's only going to get better you know, with Amazon moving to town. Um, that's exciting. Unfortunately, probably cause the price of real estate to continue to um, jump. Um, but Yeah. Well, you've got your license, <laughs> yeah. so you can. Uh, um, but no, I see my focus is flare and, and uh, making sure that uh, we are able to implement our vision because we, you know, look, we want to add to the value of neighborhoods, um, and I, 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 I'm that. That's what makes me excited, and that's where I want to spend my time on. Great. And so for anybody listening, where can they go to learn more about Flare? Uh, Absolutely. So um, the tabs on the company. we encourage people to check out our social media, um, Instagram, Flare underscore rides, and Flare rides on Twitter. That's the, you know, the easiest and best way if you want to get uh, updates. We're, you know, constantly posting uh, pictures of what we're up to. Um, very active on social media. And then, um, of course, our website, flarerides.com. Great. And uh, final question, do you have any other recommendations of companies or people to talk to? I do. I, I, I'm sure I do. I'm sh- I can probably connect you uh, offline, off, outside this, this telephone call with a couple people that I would recommend. Um, just want just to okay. think it through. Yeah, that'd be great. See who's best for you to interview. Cool. Well, hey, again, I really appreciate you taking the time uh, to come on here and talk more about Flair and your background. I learned a ton and really enjoyed it and wish you the best of luck. Yeah, definitely. Let's keep in touch. All right. Thanks, Carson. All right. Sounds good. You too. Bye. Yep. Enjoy your weekend.